On paper, Lex Luger should have been one of wrestling's all-time legendary performers. In WCW, Luger's journey involved a rapid push into the main events where he quickly became World Heavyweight Champion. This success made him a prime candidate to fill the void left by Hulk Hogan in the WWF. Vince McMahon was impressed by Luger's physique and wanted to make him the next All-American hero. McMahon employed every strategy at his disposal to get Luger over with the fans. The push he received was extraordinary. But despite the metaphorical rocket strapped to Luger's back, he never made it all the way to the top. Soon, McMahon realised that the fans were never going to accept his new All-American hero. In this video, we're taking a closer look at the rise and the fall of Lex Luger in the WWF to try and find out exactly why he failed to launch. Before we start today's video, if this is the kind of wrestling content that you're into, I'd appreciate a thumbs up and a subscribe if you haven't already. It's much appreciated. Vince McMahon wasn't the first promoter to give Luger a mega push. It would be Jim Crockett Promotions and the NWA who first saw his potential back in 1987. He was immediately thrown into storylines with the Four Horsemen, where he actually became a member and then later feuded with the group. As JCP became WCW, Luger's achievements in the company were massive. He captured the United States Heavyweight Championship and ascended to the pinnacle of the company by winning the World Championship. His championship reign lasted 230 days before he eventually lost it to Sting at Super Brawl 2. Following this loss, Luger negotiated his exit from the company. He was starting to get pissed off with the growing chaos in WCW's front office. To get out of his contract, Luger agreed to a one-year no-compete clause in the realm of pro wrestling. Despite all of the accolades in WCW, we have to remember that this first main event run was far from perfect. While Luger had the look and the athletic prowess to be a main eventer, he struggled to connect with the fans. He had nowhere near enough charisma to compete with the likes of Ric Flair and Sting. And while Luger's in-ring performances were solid, that was about it. While he delivered in big matches, he was often carried by more talented opponents. But as far as Vince McMahon was concerned, his focus wasn't on Luger as a main eventer, but as a bodybuilder instead. For months, McMahon had been laying the groundwork for the World Bodybuilding Federation. The WBF was McMahon's attempt to infuse the world of bodybuilding with show business and he needed a co-host for his weekly television show. Luger seemed like the ideal candidate, what with his incredible physique and his on-screen experience. On WBF TV, Luger teamed up with Bobby Heenan and later he was slated to guest pose on a future WBF pay-per-view. In the end, that never happened, as Luger was injured in a motorcycle accident. By the time he recovered, the World Bodybuilding Federation was no more. It was at the Royal Rumble in 1993 where Bobby Heenan introduced him with a new persona. 
the character was tailor-made to showcase Luger's physique and vanity, where he'd pose with a full-length mirror before his matches. Luger's motorcycle accident led to him having a metal plate inserted into his forearm. The WWF capitalised on this by incorporating it into his act, which saw the narcissist using it as a weapon to attack his opponents. His one major feud at the time was with Mr. Perfect, who he beat in a disappointing match at WrestleMania 9. This heel gimmick didn't last long, however, as McMahon had other ideas for Luger. A seismic shift occurred in the WWF with the departure of Hulk Hogan. In less than a decade, Hogan had become a global icon and easily the most recognisable wrestler on the face of the planet. Naturally, his exit from the WWF was a scary prospect for Vince McMahon and he was desperate to replace him as soon as possible. He tried with the Ultimate Warrior, but for various reasons, he fell short of expectations and it looked like Bret Hart was going to be the next in line to receive the torch from Hogan. But at the time, Vince didn't fully see Hart as the company's figurehead. Hart lacked that one thing that McMahon loved to see, the larger-than-life physique. And so he turned to six-foot-four-inch Lex Luger, who also had that impressive, supposedly drug-free body. His initial gimmick as the narcissist showcased his physique, but it lacked the standout appeal necessary for a top-tier superstar. In the summer, McMahon set about rebranding Luger, adopting nicknames like Made in the USA and The All-American. This new gimmick was designed to fill the void left by Hogan, positioning Luger as the new face of American pride in the Federation. The whole point of this rebrand was to make Luger the new company figurehead in the WWF, and over the next few months, he received one hell of a push. It all kicked off in the most American way possible when Luger body-slammed the WWF champion Yokozuna on the deck of the USS Intrepid of all places. Next, Luger jumped on board the Lex Express for a whistle-stop tour around the USA where he met fans up and down the country. They put together an unintentionally hilarious music video of the trip that even by the standards of the mid-90s was total cringe. Luger was getting pushed at breakneck speed and for good reason. He was scheduled to face Yokozuna for the WWF title at SummerSlam. But there was a problem. The cracks on the Lex Express were already starting to show. While it would have been really easy for the WWF to fake the entire thing, they didn't. They forced Luger to take the entire massive road trip, and he absolutely hated every second of it. The continuous travel and the pressure to remain in character while meeting the fans took a toll on him, both physically and mentally, and after all of that effort, from the body slam to the bus tour to the music video, it all ended up being a total waste of time because he was still not properly over with the crowd. With Hulk Hogan, the love and the adulation from the fans 
didn't feel manufactured. Hogan was naturally charismatic and larger than life, and the fans connected with him in a really natural way. And that was another problem. It was obvious that Luger had nowhere near the natural charisma of Hulk Hogan. In fact, he was kind of like a charisma vacuum. But this wasn't all Luger's fault. A lot of the blame had to be placed at McMahon's feet. While the Lex Express was on the road, he hardly had Luger wrestle at all. Instead of using that time getting Luger over by having him beat credible opponents, he was out there kissing babies and shaking hands. They did air segments every week asking the question, who is Lex Luger? But these video packages were so lame and boring and they did nothing to help him get over with the fans. It was unbelievable to think that Luger was about to headline the second biggest show of the year for the WWF title. In the lead up to SummerSlam, McMahon started to panic. He could see that Luger was dead on arrival with the fans and he wouldn't be replacing the Hulkster anytime soon. Well, Luger did win the match, but it was via countout, meaning Yoko retained the championship on the night. While McMahon might have got cold feet about putting the belt on the All-American at SummerSlam, he didn't give up on him entirely. The Survivor Series in 1993 included a traditional Survivor Series elimination match featuring the All-Americans versus the Foreign Fanatics. Team America consisted of Luger, the Steiners and The Undertaker and they took on the Dirty Foreigners which was a team made up of Crush, Quebec Jacques, Ludwig Borger and Joko Zuna. Luger ended up winning the match for his team and it looked like his push was about to carry on into 1994. At the Royal Rumble, both Bret Hart and Luger were co-winners as both men touched the floor at the same time and it was precisely here that McMahon seemed to lose faith in Luger. It was clear from the crowd reaction that Bret was their chosen hero. Under other circumstances, they might have booked a three-way match for the title at WrestleMania, but McMahon didn't want Luger anywhere near the main event. And so, there would be two WWF title matches on the show. It was decided that Luger would end up getting the title shot against Yokozuna first. In that first match, Yoko beat Luger by disqualification, and this brought an emphatic end to Luger's mega push. Later in the evening, Bret Hart pinned Yokozuna to win the WWF Championship. The fans went home very happy indeed with that result. Luger ended up sliding down the card after WrestleMania. He had boring feuds against the likes of Tatonka, and he even ended up losing to him at SummerSlam in 1994. His tag team alongside the British Bulldog as the Allied Powers was a lot more fun, but they never won the tag belts. Shortly after SummerSlam in 1995, Luger's contract expired and the Federation seemed to forget to ask him to sign another one. He let his friend Sting know about the situation and in turn, Sting recommended Luger to Eric Bischoff in WCW. 
Bischoff wasn't keen on Luger at the time and offered him a lowball contract, not expecting him to actually accept it, but Luger had had enough of the Federation. Things were starting to hot up over in WCW, and so he signed the contract. Luger left the WWF without letting Vince McMahon know beforehand, and he appeared as a surprise debutante on the very first episode of Monday Nitro. By all accounts, McMahon was livid. This was the first shot fired in the Monday Night War, and Vince never forgave Lex for being a part of it. In hindsight, perhaps it would have been better for Luger to have stayed in WCW back in 1992. He might have still been a main event player all those years later. But really, we have to recognise that Luger always lacked the likability and the sheer charisma to become a true main event superstar in the World Wrestling Federation. 